Today on Inland Journal and the Inland Journal podcast, the coronavirus continues to disrupt life big time in the Northwest. On Monday, Oregon Governor Kate Brown issued a stay-at-home order for the residents of her state. A few hours later, her colleague Jay Inslee in the state to the north went on TV. COVID-19 has taken more than 100 lives in our state, and that's a number that will continue to rise, unfortunately. We know our hearts ache for all of the Washingtonians and their families affected by this virus. And as we move forward, we cannot forget uh, the losses that those families have suffered. This is a human tragedy on a scale we cannot yet project. So it's time to hunker down in order to win this fight. So tonight, I am issuing a stay home order to fight this virus. The order added to measures already taken to restrict the movements and gathering of Washington's people. The schools, restaurants, and public spaces were already closed. I've been very clear on the need for Washingtonians to stay home already. But I have heard from health professionals, local officials, and others that people still aren't practicing these precautions. And that is one of the reasons why we have to take these steps. These measures are more stringent, and our goal is the same, to reduce social interactions, physical interactions, where this highly contagious virus can spread. Inslee's order requires people to work from home, unless they're in certain job sectors. We've chosen these essential businesses based largely on federal guidelines. Essential businesses and personnel not limited by this order uh, include those that help us fight this outbreak, including emergency services, healthcare industries, critical manufacturing, childcare providers, food and agriculture, transportation, financial services, uh, defense industries, and critical local government operations, including courts. And the media will continue to operate as well. Uh, the media have just been absolutely critical to keep all of us informed about this virus. Later that day, Idaho's governor, Brad Little, met with reporters and insisted he wasn't ready to go as far as his colleagues in Washington and Oregon had. Idaho is an expansive, geographically diverse state. Science and common sense tell us that planning and response efforts in one part of the state may not be the best approach in another part of the state. Little had put restrictions on life in Blaine County in south-central Idaho, home of the resort town of Sun Valley. It's the gem state's coronavirus hotspot. Two days later, though, seeing the number of confirmed cases had jumped, he changed his mind. The experts tell us that the timing of decisions are extremely important. Every state is in a different stage. I am confident that the decisions that we have made in Idaho over the past few weeks and months have been solidly grounded in the advice of our epidemiologists and our infectious disease experts. That said, Idaho is now in a new stage. Following the guidance of our public health experts, today I will be issuing a statewide stay-home order for all of Idaho. And that, he says, requires more drastic measures. Self-isolate at home if you can, not just if you're sick. If you are high risk, 
avoid leaving home. You can leave home to obtain essential services as defined in the order. Employers that do not provide essential services as defined in the order must take all steps necessary for employees to work remotely from home. Grocery stores, medical facilities, and essential businesses will remain open. Restaurants across the state are being ordered to close dine-in, but drive-through, pickup, and delivery will still be available, and I encourage all of us to support our neighborhood establishments. Non-essential businesses and services will close their physical locations. Little asked people to curtail non-essential travel, to avoid public transit when possible, and not to gather in small and large groups. He says those are the measures needed to slow the spread of the coronavirus in Idaho, now with 123 confirmed cases, nine in Kootenai County. The governor's order is good for 21 days. He and his advisors will review it in a couple of weeks. Over the last few days, the number of confirmed coronavirus cases has jumped in Idaho, as we've mentioned, but also in Spokane County. That number went from 29 on Monday to 33 on Tuesday to 54 on Wednesday. And the virus is now being detected in several rural eastern Washington counties. Whitman, Stevens, and Walla Walla counties have two confirmed cases each, and others that had avoided it are now reporting cases too, Adams, Ferry, Okanagan, Lincoln, and Columbia counties. Is the coronavirus curve flattening in the inland northwest? That question came up Tuesday in a Spokane media briefing, one in which local officials urged residents to obey the stay-at-home mandate ordered this week by Governor Jay Inslee. Spokane County Health Officer Bob Lutz says there's progress, but still a long way to go before the region's in the clear. I think if I were to look right now at our local numbers, we're not flattening the curve. And I think if you look at it from a state level, we're not flattening the curve yet. So time will tell. But I think, again, the fact that we have been encouraging, at times requiring, and then having to go to this next step indicates that collectively we've not really followed through with what public health has been providing as recommendations. When the state informs Spokane County that Spokane has new confirmed cases, Lutz's staff follows up with phone calls to the affected people. It's a detective process, with epidemiologists learning about individuals and figuring out who else was exposed. My staff have been incredibly busy as this has ramped up, supported by the Department of Health. So this past weekend, the Department of Health said that it will provide additional resources for us to do these contact investigations. What that allows us to do is to focus on those situations where we have deemed high risk. So in your nursing homes, in your long-term care facilities, in the homeless shelters, those are populations which for us are high risk and therefore we can put our staff into those situations where again the contacts, one contact may beget a number of cases. And the Department of Health will therefore do a lot of those other contact investigations for us. The county's portable clinic at the fairgrounds has been screening people for the last couple of weeks to determine if they should qualify for coronavirus testing. With respect to the screening site, I think there was definitely some miscommunication, and I will take the onus for some of that. I think early on, because of the concerns that we had limited amount of testing resources, 
the concern was that if we literally said, come all, come one, come one, come all, that's what would happen. And we wouldn't really be able to test the individuals who maybe really needed to be tested. So the messaging was that you needed to talk with your provider, and that's oftentimes done virtually or by phone call. A lot of the organizations have hotlines. And so you can call a nurse, you can talk with a provider and actually find out whether or not you met certain criteria to be tested. That would then have you go to that drive-in site located at the fair, be evaluated. It wouldn't necessarily require you to be tested, but out there they would make that determination. Over the, over the last five days, what we've seen is that people are starting to see this as a great resource. And so yesterday, for example, more than 300 individuals were actually seen out there. Not all of them were tested, but more than 300 cars drove up to be evaluated. Lutz says that clinic is taking pressure off of other clinics and emergency rooms so they can focus on other patients. Does the Spokane area have enough personal protective equipment for its health care and emergency medical workers? I think that we are in a good position, but not a great position. I think acknowledging what's happened elsewhere, we've been very proactive, we've put in requests. But by the same token, I think that the healthcare organizations, EMS providers, we are very concerned about the possibility of not having sufficient numbers and amounts of PPE when we get to a tipping point, for example. So I think we are in sort of what's called a contingency mode. We're preparing because we want to ensure that we have enough if the situation is required. Meanwhile, Lutz and the others leading the emergency coronavirus management team are trying to convince people to stay home and stay at least six feet away from each other. In the briefing on Tuesday, Sheriff Ozzie Knezovich took his turn with the messaging, part encouraging and motivating, part scolding. We're not saying that you can't go outside of your house. You can. You can go for a walk. You can go for a run. You can bike. You can go to the store shop for your groceries, go to the pharmacy. There are no road restrictions. That's, that, no one's ever mentioned that, but that is one of the common things that we keep hearing. One of the other things we really need you to do is stop the panic. We need those supply chains to reboot, and they're doing the best they can. Everybody I've talked to has reassured me, Sheriff, there is no no shortage of anything if people would just go back to their normal buying patterns. If we would just simply do that, the store shelves restock. But as long as you panic, as long as you're in this mode, you're going to see shortages. With this new stay-at-home policy, people are questioning who's going to enforce that. We are not going to take efforts that are going to be draconian on this, uh, folks. We're going to educate you. If we find you in large groups, we're going to stop and go, hey, look, we really need you to comply with these orders. The education part is where we're going to stress our efforts. Knezovich was a little more forceful in talking about enforcing the rules to get restaurants to stop offering dine-in services in favor of takeout, pickup, and delivery. He says his officers will give two warnings before taking stronger actions. Ultimately, Knezovich says it's all aimed getting Spokane past one of its most difficult situations in years. Every generation has their challenges. Well, guess what? This is ours. This is our challenge. And how are you going to be remembered? Are you going to be remembered as the great 
generations before us who survived these things and move forward as we always have that is our legacy folks that is who we are as a nation as a community we don't run from a problem we face the problem and we solve the problem you, this one's on you this is truly in your court Spokane County Sheriff Ozzy Knezovich speaking Tuesday at a media briefing. Many of us are trying to adjust to our lives in the coronavirus era. Adam Wallace is thinking about how it affects children. Wallace is in the Air Force. He's stationed at Fairchild and working toward a master's degree in public health with an eye on medical school in the future. Wallace has been working from home lately, and he's had some extra time. So during the last couple of weeks, he's written a children's book about COVID-19. Driving home the other day, I called. We volunteered for a, an animal rescue and called to see if they had any more puppies that were up for adoption. And they were really excited that all of the dogs in town are being adopted. And the dogs at home are probably all really excited because all their kids are home every day. Um, and it kind of sparked in my head, hey, if the dogs are excited because the kids are home, like what are, what are the kids thinking? Um, and kind of combine the public health side of my head that the CDC is putting out a lot of good guidance for adults, but there hasn't been a lot of discussion on how to talk to kids. He started writing. The story's about two puppies, Luna and Maui, which are my dog's names, but that they walk their kids to school every morning. And one morning, the Luna's waiting at the front door with her leash, ready to go to class or walk the kids to the playground. And the kids are just sitting on the couch watching TV. So the, the dogs run to the couch and kind of try to figure out what's going on. And the, the, the whole story is the older dog explaining to the younger dog what COVID-19 is and how we can all stay safe from it and try to make it less scary for the dog and the kids in the book, but also for the kids that would be reading the book. So Wallace had a story. Next, he needed pictures. He searched for an illustrator who could create sketches for the book in a short period of time and soon found one. The illustrator is named Adam Rayong. Um, he's from Malaysia. I actually found him online. We were trying to find a local illustrator, and most people were saying it would take a month or two at least to draw a book with 30 images. Um, and he really got on board and said, hey, I'll get this done in two or three days for you, and came back with, I'd say, some pretty amazing artwork, and couldn't, I definitely could not have put the book to life and brought it to life like he did. So how long has it been from idea in your head to where you are now? Yeah, um, it was probably the 16th or the 17th, so less than a week from thinking about the idea. Um, luckily, we've had about, been, been home more than normal, so I had some more free time to dedicate to the project. After the story, Wallace includes an extensive coronavirus Q&A for children and their parents, drawing upon his knowledge and his studies and his wife's experience as an emergency medical worker. If I wasn't studying public health, I probably would have never heard viral load or maybe known what a respirator is. So my wife's a paramedic and is literally on the front line of it. Um, the two of those coming together, I've got a pretty close firsthand idea of what's happening. So trying to get turn that from maybe the public health perspective and a graduate student into something that just the normal person that's not a medical student could read and understand. The book is done, and Wallace is working with a publishing company to make it available soon. And if it can't go on sale, um, and even if it does go on sale, the plan is to put a free PDF up online right now. So I'm working with a couple friends to figure out what's the best way that we can distribute the book 
And we have a couple of friends and family that are translating it. And the goal, I mean, we spent a little bit of money getting it illustrated. So if we could recoup that money, that would be awesome. But the real goal here is there are a lot of kids out there that are scared and don't know what's happening. So if we can get good info out to them, I'd rather get it out online as a book or as a PDF or a Kindle book or whatever medium it's easy to read and be able to understand. Adam Wallace is the author of a new children's book called The Day My Kids Stayed Home, explaining COVID-19 and the coronavirus to your kids. Wallace has developed a Kickstarter campaign for the book. You can find that by searching Explain COVID-19 to Kids on Kickstarter. We've been hearing a lot about the coronavirus from health experts and elected officials, and now we're going to hear from a family that's contending with a case inside their own home. For disclosure's sake, the wife is a longtime acquaintance of public radio reporter Brian Bull. He works in Eugene, Oregon, but he's a Lewiston, Idaho native. Her husband tested positive for coronavirus late last week. To give them confidentiality, we're identifying them by the aliases of Amy and Jim. Bull called them at their Idaho residence earlier this week to check in, and he started by asking Jim when he first realized he wasn't doing well. About a week ago, last Monday, I started getting a little dry cough, and then Tuesday morning, it progressed to kind of chills, achiness. I did not have a fever, and our healthcare facility here has a testing tent, and I drove by, and they screened me and said I passed the criteria, and they tested me on Thursday afternoon, and then I received a call Friday evening from the health district to tell me that I was positive. What was your response to the news, Jim? Uh, it, it certainly changed my perspective. Uh, I think up to that point, I was living under the delusion that I just had a little bit of a cold or I was run down from increased work. But it became very real at that point. And, you know, immediately you start thinking about your family and those around you that you may uh, impact. And there was some fear for sure. You know, we'd been super careful. I'd already really increased cleaning since he was in healthcare, washing hands, disinfecting services. I think there was just, you know, how did it find its way in? But as we know, it's super contagious. I think also the fact that he didn't have a fever, and we were being told that was a main symptom to look for. I know my family are showing some symptoms. They appear to be somewhat mild, which is somewhat comforting. I'm feeling better. And and the health district is calling every day as well as the health system that I uh, belong to. So uh, it feels good. I, I understand <laughs> that uh, Amy has you... Uh sectioned off in a different part of the house? Yes, uh, there's three of us in our household, and everybody's in their own room. Everybody's got an assigned bathroom. Everybody goes down and does something at one point, and then uh, Amy runs through and wipes everything down with sanitizer. What do you do to pass the time? Thank God for Netflix and streaming. Um, But I'm continuing to do some work from home uh, to stay engaged because there's a lot of activity around this uh, COVID-19 going on where I work talking a lot with friends and family who keep calling. Probably more TV watching than normal, reading, online gaming, um, definitely sleeping more, trying to get our rest. We're even supposed to be distancing ourselves from our pets, but that is proving to be nearly impossible. We just have one dog and one cat, but they're wanting to be right near us. The recommendations are to stay some distance from your pet. They're not really clear of the effects, so that has us nervous, and while they bring us comfort, we're doing our best to keep our distance, but it's just a little impossible, especially when a cat wants to jump up on your lap <laughs> when you don't feel good. I understand that currently uh, neither you nor your son have been tested for coronavirus. Is that correct? That's correct. 
Is it because you're not displaying full symptoms or strongly pronounced symptoms? I think there's such a stress on the system with um, a limited amount of test kits that having already been exposed to someone that tests positive, they would just prefer that we stay home and monitor our symptoms and stay in touch with Central District Health at this time. So, Amy, is there any advice you'd want to share to our listening audience in terms of preparing for coronavirus and also what to do if they or a close relative test positive? You know, I don't want to add to the hoarding madness that we've seen going on, but you will be in quarantine for quite some time. If that's on top of the quarantine that you're already maybe doing, self-quarantine. So, you know, make sure you do have medications. They are advising and different ones you can look out at the CDC website and see what those are or ask your healthcare provider. But make sure you do have some medications as well as just some basic necessities on hand. Um, I know that some grocery stores and restaurants are also providing delivery. And then, of course, be in touch with your doctor as soon as you find out. It's also normal to be scared, but not to panic. And, of course, if symptoms get worse, you'd want to call your ER in advance. People really should take social distancing and this COVID-19 threat very serious. It's very disheartening when you see the news and people are on the beach or they're continuing to get together. At this point, you know, what I realized is, excuse me, it's not about me as an individual anymore. It's really about those around me and trying to keep them safe. And I wish people would really consider that a little bit more. Yeah, just stay safe. Look out for um, neighbors and friends. They're definitely high risk, especially if they're alone. Be checking on those folks. This is just, it's a very serious thing. Take it seriously, people. Jim and Amy, thank you so much for your time. I've got my fingers crossed for the best possible outcome for everyone. Take care. Thank you very much. Thank you. That's Brian Bull from public radio station KLCC in Eugene, Oregon, talking to Jim and Amy in their Idaho residence. Jim tested positive for COVID-19 late last week, and his wife and son could be infected. How has life changed for you in our new coronavirus reality? I'm now working more at home, but in the days I get home from the radio station, my wife greets me at the back door, shows me where to hang up my coat, she directs me to take off my clothes, then throws them in the washer, and points me toward the shower. Oh, and we're taking a lot more walks around our neighborhood, too. What is your coronavirus reality? Do you have a story that can top mine? Post your new rituals at the Spokane Public Radio Facebook page or dial up our listener comment line at 509-232-6904 and tell us your story. That's 509-232-6904. We'll use the best messages and comments on next week's Inland Journal. That's it for this week. Inland Journal airs every Thursday on Spokane Public Radio. The podcast is available anytime at spokanepublicradio.org. Subscribe at Apple Podcasts, NPR One, or Google Play. Be safe, be patient. I'm Doug Nadvornik.